0: to continue our journey with the apostles as we read from scripture, just a little snippet about our topic for today, which is, I call him Jimmy Z, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, James, the elder, James, the greater, James, as in the chosen, big James. So you've got your, your druthers about what to call him. But that's where we'll start. And so I invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read just a few verses from chapter 4 of Matthew. In your pew Bible, that'll be on page 962. Page 962. And we'll start at verse 18. And this is a situation where uh, Jesus and the Uh, John the Baptist encounter each other, and it leads to the calling of the fellow we're talking about here. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John. You know, last week we studied a little bit of uh, social science, a little bit of family dynamics, and we looked at the birth order book, and what we realized was that you can guess a lot of things about these people based on certain things that are pretty consistent with humanity and uh, so we learned a lot about the relationship between peter or simon and his brother andrew and we made some pretty good guesses about what kind of guy andrew was and uh, in the same way we can make certain guesses about big james and his little brother john and we gather from that and what we have in scripture a picture of big james as being a big leader in the group of the apostles we often think as peter is the only leader but the truth is is that that each of them was chosen by jesus for a particular purpose and jesus we can't even imagine the the precision with which he chose these people to be a part of his Uh, entourage and in particular part of his ministry plan for the world after he ascends to heaven. And so how those people came to be a part of the process that Jesus had in mind for the transformation of the world is difficult for us to know. But looking at these personalities, we get a pretty good sense of some of the things that were needed in order to get these thing, this this movement moving into a, a transformational process for the entire creation. And so here is James, another guy running the family business, and uh, you know, working with a younger brother who, by virtue of not being exactly like his elder brother, is yeah well, maybe you know, not as diligent or maybe lets his mind wander towards other things. I mean, what we have in our picture of James and John is James being very direct and a good leader and and uh, kind of a methodical processor and a thinker. and And then with John, we have all these beautiful images. He's the one that gives us the gospel that presents the divine nature of our Lord Jesus. He's the one that, that is seeing and interpreting things through uh, a very highly spiritual lens. So you can imagine then that he and his brother James probably had different priorities. And, uh, you know, James was ready to play shortstop and John was out in right field, you know, picking daisies, looking at the clouds, When the crack of the bat happens, he's got to look up just in case the ball might be coming his direction. You can kind of picture that. I immediately drew an image. Now, I've, I've spoken to you about my family at different times, but I haven't really gone into great depth. But I immediately imagined what it would be like if my brother Dave, he's my oldest brother, if he was running a family business and I was working with him what would that be like? And then I imagined if it switched over from the family business to a ministry, what would that be like? Well, you know how Jesus called James and John sons of thunder? Well, if my brother Dave and I were in a business or a ministry together, there'd be thunder, there'd be lightning, there'd be hail, there would be strong winds, there would be probably tornadoes. You know, Not that we don't get along, but to say that he and I have different outlooks on life and both love the Lord and our families, we have all the same core values, but our approach to life, our personalities are just drastically different and there's just no way to get around that. And so I immediately imagine that scenario when I try to picture James and John. And so we're focusing on James. So let me just take a time here to look at him. James is a guy who we really get to appreciate later, actually in the days after Jesus' ascension to heaven and the beginning of the church age. He's noted as the leader of the church in Jerusalem as the other apostles are beginning to spread out and take the gospel across the nations around Jerusalem and the Roman Empire, basically, um, he is the one who anchors the home headquarters there in Jerusalem and anchors the church there. And there's a sense that that is a A sort of holy seed, you know, like, well, we need to get the approval of the church in Jerusalem to make sure we're on the right track. We have people like Paul who are desperate to make a connection with the church in Jerusalem and to kind of get uh, sanctioned by the church in Jerusalem. And who's the head of that church? It's James. And so we see big James being the, the, the key leader there in Jerusalem. And so, like I said a minute ago, when we think about Peter, we tend to think that he was the leader of the apostles, but, but I think a better way to look at Peter was he was a leading personality to be sure. And his personality gets a lot of coverage in the Bible. So we tend to look at him that way, but there were other people with certain talents that were, um, you know, evident in certain per, uh, personality traits that were evident. When I make jokes about working with my brother, let me just say, my brother is a guy who knows how to get things done. He is—he is a leader and an organizer, and he everything he sets his mind to, he accomplishes, and he does it with excellence. And uh, I just. Uh, you know, applaud people like that. And what I want you to see in this study of the apostles, by the way, somebody asked me recently, you know, why are you letting your beard get so long? I'm just really taking this whole apostolic tradition thing to heart. And I just, I figure why not look the part while I'm at it. And uh, besides that, the other answer I gave somebody was, is I'm working on my retirement gig because I'm thinking that holiday world might need another Santa Claus and this will be white one of these days. So, But anyway, I look at the leadership within the body of the apostles. And here's an interesting observation for you. Jesus had an inner circle. You pick up on that because there are certain things that Jesus did where he only brought with him Peter, James, and John. And you've seen those stories in Scripture, whether it was the Mount of Transfiguration or the healing of Jairus' daughter, things like that. And you realize that that he had a particular uh, leadership style of his own, that Jesus was definitely intimate with all of his disciples and that yet there was this particular uh, special education he was giving to them. And it's interesting because two of the three are guys who emerged as leaders in the church. One is the the leading uh, sort of missionary to the, the diaspora Israel. In other words, Peter becomes the one who's the leading missionary to, to Jews and, and uh, is taking the gospel outside of Jerusalem and speaking particularly to Jews until God calls him to a defining moment that says, you can share this message with anybody you want. And then you have James, who is anchoring the church in Jerusalem, and then you have John. Now, I'm not gonna talk about John today because we got him coming up in a later uh, time, but uh, I saved John, by the way, for the beginning of Advent because John, I believe, is the same John that is on Patmos and gives us the book of Revelation And uh, so that's my personal belief. That is one of those beliefs that is questioned by some. So not everybody believes as I do, but enough people do that I'm not alone in it. And so what I tend to think about John, his brother then, James's brother, is that he was in Jesus' inner circle because he had a unique calling that was, well, I'm gonna say literary more than leadership. Why? So he, had a, he was the one who was going to have a specific purpose to inform us, the church, of really critical things that we need to know about our Lord Jesus, divine in nature, outside of space and time. He gives us a picture of Jesus that is essential to being prepared for the very times that we were discussing earlier So James, John and Peter, and then Paul, who was called later, but by Jesus and is truly a leader in that he is leading movements within the Gentile world of Rome so that Christianity can spread globally. And so the lesson I want you to take away today is the significance of leadership. Leadership is really vital to everything, and some folks know me well, and they know that I'm always talking about leadership. It's a particular favorite topic of mine, and I'm convinced that pretty much everything worth doing hinges on leadership. I think that leadership is a vital thing, and I think that in some ways, every one of us is called to leadership. Every one of us is called to leadership. Not all of us are called to pastor churches or to lead a business or to lead something uh, like a military unit or something. Not all of us are called to that form of leadership, but everyone is called to leadership. If it's nothing else, then it's self-leadership. I believe that you have to be uh, your own leader because if you just wait for life to happen, If you just spend your life sort of just riding whatever wave you happen to be on and being swept along, then instead of you leading your life, you're letting popular culture lead your life. You're letting trends lead your life. You're letting uh, advertising lead your life. Self-leadership starts with just disciplining your mind to say, I don't agree with that. I do agree with that. You know, so everyone has a responsibility to be a leader, if only of their own mind and their own heart. You have to decide to link your heart and mind with the heart and mind of God in that logos or capital W word. But we all have other leadership roles that we fulfill. If you are married and you have children, then leadership is vital to your family. And there must be leadership in the family. And leadership is not a matter of who's in charge, who's the bossiest, who gives the orders. You know, many parents fail because they assume that leadership is being the boss. Many a small business or franchise fails because someone assumes because they're the boss that makes them a leader. Anybody can order you around and boss you around and tell you what to do and they can do it frivolously and they will throw away any respect you might have with them. And so leadership is about respect. It's about command of a circumstance or a situation or an organization. It's about being trusted. It's about having the sense of direction and vision that other people are willing to follow with you. And there's a sense that you are leading them, but you are walking alongside them. You are equal to them, but you're willing to take responsibility for outcomes. And that separates leaders from followers. And that moves you forward to yet another layer of leadership when you are called to lead people who don't have to follow you. That's discipleship. And when people will follow you, even though they don't have to, even though it's voluntary, but they follow you because they believe that you know where you're going and you know what you're doing. Or at the very least, that you have been led by a power or a force that is universally trusted so godly men and women lead people who don't have to follow them because the people can see that those are people their leaders are people who trust the lord who listen intently for the voice of the lord who instinctively follow the lord's calling wherever that might occur And this is what you see modeled by Jesus through James and John and Peter and Paul. You see this modeled through faithful leaders throughout Christian history because there's another model of Christian leadership that you need to embrace if you want to be a leader among the believers in Jesus Christ. And this one, this one's hard. This is why not everyone is called because leadership is hard especially in the kingdom of God, because it will cost you. Because leaders will pay a price for being in charge of God's purpose and God's mission. It is a humbling and, and amazing and beautiful thing to have been asked by Jesus to care for one of his flocks. It's also a terrifying responsibility to have that sense of protection and provision for the spiritual well being of a body of people that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone asked me this morning, would I go to Israel under the current conditions? And my answer was if I was going by myself, sure. I've been there enough to know my way around and to know people who would look out for me and to make my personal well being a, a tolerable risk within the current circumstances. Would I take a busload of my beloved children from this church? No. Nope, I wouldn't do that because the responsibility is so much greater when you lead people who are looking to you for wisdom from on high. So there's a price to pay for being a responsible Christian leader. And I encourage you to answer the call if it comes upon you. And it's not just a call to pastoral ministry. It could be a call to any task. Ted stood up here and talked to you a few minutes ago because God has called him to a leadership role within our community of faith here, within our family of faith. And we have a group of leaders who serve on the leadership team who are going to reach out to you and share with you from time to time, especially on December 10th. And you're going to see that they're taking the risk of embracing their call to leadership. But ultimately, the call to leadership is illustrated by James because James is the first among the disciples of Jesus, the apostles of Jesus, I should say. He was first of the 12 apostles after the death of Judas to die. James was the pastor or leader of the church in Jerusalem and Gradually, hatred for the Christian movement among the Jews grew exponentially so that there was violent activity directed at Christians all the time in Jerusalem. And many of them blamed the Christians for the way that the Roman government was cracking down on the whole society because they didn't differentiate between Christians and non-Christians. They were all Jews, and the Romans just lumped them into one group and punished them all. And so they took out their wrath on the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And of course, when uh, Agrippa, the leader then, wanted to make an example of somebody who did he go to he went to James so he jailed James of son of Zebedee and put him to the sword eventually as a way of making an example of him and thus it is with leaders in God's church in Christ's flock you will suffer consequences for leading Standing in front of a body of people in the name of Jesus Christ. And all I can say to you is, is that's to be celebrated. That's to be rejoiced in because that's a sign that you serve the Lord. Why else would God's enemy take aim at you if it wasn't because you are a threat to the enemy's ambitions? And so I don't go around looking for punishment, torture, or any other kind of suffering but I embrace it as a sign that I am serving the Lord effectively and it draws the attention of his enemy. Can you do that? If you want to be in a personal relationship with Christ, can you accept his calling on your life, whatever it is, knowing that to follow him and to live out his call on your life is to humbly submit to whatever goes with that? The hardest thing about being a Christian believer is to realize that you may have embraced Christ as your Savior, but when you embrace him as your Lord, it doesn't serve you anymore. You serve him. And as servants to Christ, your wants, your needs, your esteem, your appearance of notability among other Christians and other people in the community is all irrelevant. It is whether or not they see Christ in you that will define the quality of your leadership. A leader among Christian people is one who emulates Christ particularly well. And I hope that all of you aspire to that, as I do too. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you burn it into our hearts now so that we might be transformed forever by your Holy Spirit into the servants who lead for your glory. Amen. (music)